I can only imagine how upset Spiels would have been if there had been a uh, flag for a illegal block. Too harsh of a block on a teammate to nullify that touchdown in the Cotton Bowl many years ago. Uh, that happened to Baron Browning tonight. He negated a touchdown by Jordan Fuller. It did not happen to Spiels then. And, uh, you know, some other things happened tonight to the Buckeyes that I think are going to be good for them going forward. Hi, everybody. It's a post-game edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast Buckeyes 34 Michigan State 10 Ohio State completes the first half of its season 6 and 0 regular season halfway over they are without blemish they're off this week they head to Northwestern to play the uh, Wild Kittens not this coming Friday but the following Friday uh, set your clock for October the 26th when Wisconsin comes to Ohio Stadium set your clock for November I believe it's 23rd Penn State in Ohio Stadium, and then the week after that, it's at Michigan, which uh, I guess they're still breathing in Ann Arbor today after a uh, riveting 10-3 win over Iowa. I'm Bruce Hooley, glad to have you with us uh, as you're making your way out of Ohio Stadium, headed home, or maybe it's uh, Sunday afternoon by the time you've uh, clicked on our podcast and listened to it. Spiels is in Cincinnati. He will have the Bengals and the Cardinals on Sunday on Fox, assuming Dish hasn't canceled it yet. Can you tell him a little bit salty? about my Dish Network. By the way, let me just vent, since it's, you know, our podcast and I can vent. Um, does it seem fair to anyone that Dish Network gets you under contract, then cancels all the channels that you had to have to enter into a contract with them, and then won't let you out of said contract without an early cancellation fee? Uh, if you're an attorney and you'd like to file a class action lawsuit against Dish Network, uh, I'll be happy to put my signature on the first line. Uh, I'll also sign up for Ohio State as a playoff team, as I have all season long. Uh, but tonight was, mm, excuse me, valuable. See, this podcast is a little bit like tonight's game. I'm starting off with a tickle in my throat, and hopefully by the end, I'll perform as admirably as J.K. Dobbins, Justin Fields, and the Ohio State defense. <clears throat> There, I cleared my throat. So that's my equivalent of the Ohio State offensive line figuring out what Michigan State was doing to it in the first quarter. So uh, let's go through uh, the bad stuff. Okay, 16 plays, 16 yards in the first quarter. And I know you're all flashing back to 2015 right there, aren't you? You're like, ah, I see nightmares of Zeke Elliott not getting the ball. I see Michael Geiger kicking a field goal at the end and windmilling himself into my nightmares. How many times did he... ABC play that, by the way, in the pregame. Uh, No, didn't happen because Justin Fields um, figured it out in the second quarter. The Ohio State offensive line figured it out in the second quarter. Uh, They still put up right at 500 yards on a Michigan State defense that was number seven in the nation coming in. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, 172 yards rushing. On 24 carries, J.K. Dobbins averaged 7.2 yards a carry. Of course, it helps when you bust a 67-yard touchdown run. Of course it does. But that's a Michigan State defense that gave up 55 yards per game on the ground coming in. So Ryan Day has talked all year, and I always thought it was kind of a nice problem to have kind of a thing. We haven't played four full quarters. We haven't played 60 minutes. Well, they played 60 minutes tonight. So if you were wondering if they're a roster full of 60-minute men, yes, they are. 
Did they need to be? No, not really. They could have put the backups in in the fourth quarter. It was all safe and salted away. Michigan State had opportunities. Uh, you know, I got to give it up to Sparty. They put up a nice uh, little battle tonight. Uh, they answered Ohio State's first touchdown with a touchdown of their own, zipped it right down the field in five plays. That was a little bit uh, scary to see an opponent move the ball on the Buckeyes like nobody else had before. Uh, they found some seams. In the defense, I think when Clemson, Alabama, LSU's pouring over Ohio State film in December, they're going to look and they're going to see some things that Michigan State did, and Ohio State's going to have to take those things away from teams like Wisconsin and Penn State that know how to use their tight ends. So I think you can learn. It's not a bad thing to learn that you're not invincible, okay? And as much as I'm sure Ryan Day and his coaching staff were preaching to the players, you're not invincible because you've heard Ryan say that. We've played the cut from him on the podcast here. Oh, the mistakes are on the film. The mistakes are on the film. Yeah, I know. I'm sure they are on the film. But the mistakes are not showing up on the field where you make a mistake and the other team is running it into the end zone or you're getting sacked in the backfield. Tonight, those mistakes resulted in the other team celebrating. And we've not seen very much of the other team celebrating. There's something different when you're a player about a coach telling you in a film session, hey, you know, you're doing that wrong. If you do that wrong another time, a good team is going to take advantage of that. It's different when a good team actually does take advantage of it, and you're in front of 104,000 people, and there's a toll exacted for that mistake. So I think tonight it's good that the Ohio State offensive line had to figure some things out on the fly. It's good that Justin Fields had a tough start and it's good, too, that Ryan Day had to, like, go to his bag of tricks after Mark D'Antonio and the Michigan State defense stoned Ohio State in the first quarter. That was kind of one of the things that I wondered about was, <clears throat> excuse me, how would Ryan Day react when some defensive guru on the other sideline had an answer for what was in Ryan Day's play script? Well, I think tonight you can say Ryan Day acquitted himself pretty well because Mark D'Antonio is no joke as a defensive coordinator. He has uh, Nick Saban on his resume, having worked for Nick at Michigan State. Dino was on the staff. Why don't I bring up another Michigan State nightmare from the Wayback Machine, the 1998 game. Mark D'Antonio was on that defensive staff when Nick Saban was the head coach at MSU. First year of the BCS, Buckeyes up 24-9, and then, uh-oh, Plaxico Burris started out jumping Antoine Winfield for balls, and all of a sudden it was 28-24, to and Buckeyes suffered a still inexplicable loss to me with what Spiels and I both agree is one of the best teams we've ever seen in Ohio State history. So Mark D'Antonio's legit from a defensive perspective. Well, friend, you can rest assured, Ryan Day is legit from an offensive play caller perspective because what he did with Justin Fields running kind of a zone read look type thing to the right, and then they got Ben Victor free in the right flat, and Fields hit Ben Victor, and Ben Victor did the rest, got it down to the end. I had a little bit of a concern when Victor went airborne, and they started replaying that over and over and over and over again. I thought, are they going to replay that to see if Ben Victor fumbled the ball and it went into the end zone and Michigan State recovered it? I think they'd have been okay on that, even if they had looked at it, which I don't think they did look at it. I don't know if anybody picked the ball up in the end zone, but he went flying out of bounds. The ball ricochets into the end zone, but I think if you look at the film real closely, Ben Victor's hand 
touched the turf, so I think that would have blown the play dead. But, you know, I I love the effort trying to get in, but, man, the ball down there is so precious. And I love Ohio State's chances to get it in from the one or the half. I don't know if I want guys extending that ball out there in that situation. Probably to tell a guy like Ben Victor not to do that, it's probably not going to happen because, you know, is that a fine line between great effort and taking an unnecessary risk? But it all worked out. That was a touchdown. Then the second touchdown pass from Justin Fields to Luke Farrell. They did a nice job of pointing this out on TV. Justin Fields is looking for the wheel route to J.K. Dobbins in the left flat. He comes back across the middle to Luke Farrell, and Luke Farrell gets in. Now, on the list of Ohio State Buckeye receivers that Michigan State had on its scouting report coming into the game that, hey, we got to worry about this guy, and we absolutely positively cannot let this guy get free for a touchdown. How far down the list do you think Luke Farrell was? Well, pretty far down the list because that's his first touchdown catch of the season. You got to figure he's behind Victor and K.J. Hill and Austin Mack and Garrett Wilson and probably Jeremy Ruckert and maybe even J.K. Dobbins. But that's the strength of the Ohio State receiving core. And yes, I throw the tight ends in there because Ryan Day said it this week. We don't really keep track of who's in, what package and all that. We just roll them in. And that is a luxury that you can afford when you have crazy, ridiculous depth like Ohio State has. Man, are they deep. And you saw it tonight because, you know, hey, oh, it's not uh, it's not Austin Mack. It's not uh, K.J. Hill. It's Luke Farrell. Yeah, Luke Farrell. So if you had Luke Farrell in the catch-a-touchdown-pass derby tonight, congratulations, cash your ticket. He got in there. K.J. Hill led the team with seven catches, but as again, they spread it around. Ben Victor had three. Garrett Wilson, two. Dobbins had two. Ruckert, Mack, and Farrell each had one. Um, Justin Fields threw an interception. Justin Fields lost a fumble. Again, I don't think that's terrible. I don't think that's terrible. That's a really good defense he's playing. He got knocked around, and it's I think it's easier to get him to buy into the fact that he's not perfect. And I'm, I look, Justin Fields is a really humble kid. But it's easier to get him to buy into the fact that he's not perfect when he's actually making some mistakes. I think it would be really tough. Let's say Ohio State had gone out there tonight and won this game 49-3. Boy, you know what the mood would have been like in Columbus over the next two weeks. And nationally. Oh, Ohio State again, awesome. Look, just like it was last week in Nebraska. How are you going to keep these guys' heads fitting in their helmets? Now, this is a good win. It's a solid win. Nobody in the country is questioning Ohio State off this win. It's not like anybody's going to be sitting around. Not even the people at the SEC network are going to be sitting around going, well, I don't know, it really wasn't that impressive of a win. I mean, Michigan State scored 10 points. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying that. That's a ranked opponent Ohio State played. And they handled him easily, 34 to 10. But there's enough in there that if you're Ryan Day over the course of the next couple of weeks, you can say, hey, we can't afford this against Jonathan Taylor in Wisconsin. We can't afford this against K.J. Hamler in Penn State. And I'm sure Ryan Day may try to make the case we can't afford this against Shea Patterson and Michigan. But that in my opinion, is a much tougher case to make because, oh my goodness, did you see Michigan today? If you did, I don't know how any of you take them seriously. 
as a threat to Ohio State. Man, their offense is horrendous. It is horrendous. And you can say, well, their defense showed up today. Okay, yeah, their defense showed up today. Their defense had eight sacks of Nate Stanley, and they turned Nate Stanley over three times via interceptions and got another fumble. I don't know if that was Stanley's fumble or not. Four turnovers, eight sacks for the Michigan defense. Okay, we got great. The Michigan defense is back from the witness protection program. Fantastic. Uh, Folks, Michigan is much more likely to be a three- or four-loss team when they play Ohio State than they are likely to be a one-loss team when they play Ohio State. They have to play Penn State. They have to play, um, obviously, the Buckeyes. They are going to have problems. They'll have problems with, if they play them, they'll have problems with Minnesota. They, they, they might have a problem at Indiana. I mean, I'm just telling you, Michigan is, uh, it's almost sad to watch and see uh, what Michigan is. Uh, because while it is never fun to lose to Michigan, it is more fun to have the threat of losing to Michigan than it is to know that you're just going to go up there and pound them. At least it is to me. I think it is to Spiels. Maybe it's not to you. Maybe you're mascus. Maybe you love clubbing a baby seal to death. Maybe you never get tired of pulling the wings off a baby bird. I don't know. But I'm not into torturing a once-storied program. And, and the only way for this rivalry to get some of its juice back is eventually they're going to have to like at least take us to the fourth quarter. But that's... Not going to happen this year. Man, Harbaugh, I bet you right now, I bet you right now, if you gave Jim Harbaugh the option of coming down with uh, mononucleosis the week of the Ohio State-Michigan game and a doctor at Michigan telling him, Jim, you are so contagious, we cannot allow you to go into Michigan Stadium. It will set off a uh, viral um, infection of the state of Michigan, the likes of which we've never seen. It'll be like the (laughs) horrendous health. Jim, you have to stay home. You cannot attend the Ohio State-Michigan game. If he could get a doctor, a legit doctor, to give him a note, I think he'd take it. I think he'd take it. You don't... You know he doesn't want to stand over there in his khakis and watch J.K. Dobbins go up and down the field. Watch Justin Fields go up and down the field. Watch Ohio State just, oh, well, they're going to. They are going to. So, uh, tonight, pretty impressive against the Michigan State Spartans. Oh, I left out Michigan's got to go to Michigan State. Yeah, that might be a little problem for them, too. So, a nice uh, victory for the Buckeyes tonight. Spiels will have the uh, Bengals. Ooh. And Cardinals tomorrow. I, I would say somebody's got to w- get a win, but maybe both those teams can um, can tie. I don't know. Uh, and uh, the Browns, of course, play Monday night. We'll have more details on that on Monday Monday's podcast when Spiels will be back from Cincinnati and we'll reflect on the Ohio State game. We'd like for you to please review our podcast, and we make it easy for you at the website, pleasereviewmypodcast.com. 
search Spielman and Hooley, and you can review the podcast like Jeremy did. He said, uh, I am so pumped to see Spielman and Hooley reunited in this format. It's even better now that they can be themselves and share their faith. Always entertaining. I'll be listening to this every week. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Appreciate that very much. We also hope you'll patronize our friends at West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating makes this podcast possible. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating makes possible the fact that you don't have to sit around and wait all day for a plumber or an expert in heating and cooling to come to your residence because of one of the great things about West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating, besides the fact that they have impeccable integrity, character, and honesty, and long a long service uh, record with the Better Business Bureau for outstanding performance, is that they show up on time when they say they will show up. That is worth a lot to me. That's why I'm a West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating customer. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating will give you hundreds off a new furnace if you need one for your home or if you're building a home. Get with West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating. They can handle the heating and the cooling. They use Lennox high-efficiency products, and you can find West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating on the web at westjeffplumbing.com, or you can also call them 614-879-9606. As we wrap up the podcast, we do a faith element every single week. Tomorrow, uh, I'll be at Northwest Chapel in uh, Hilliard. It's Hilliard, Dublin. It's on Rings Road. Come out. Uh, We'd love to see you at Northwest Chapel. And mark this on your calendar. First weekend in November, uh, former Buckeye Joel Penton will be speaking at Northwest Chapel. Joel is a phenomenal speaker, um, and he does great work with young people in the state of Ohio and around the country. And Joel will be speaking that morning, and we're going to be doing something special that morning on an Ohio State free football weekend. I don't mean that you can get into an Ohio State game free. I mean, there's no Ohio State football that weekend. They're off that weekend as well. That's the weekend we turn our clocks back, okay? So you get an extra hour sleep. So here's what we're going to do at Northwest Chapel on that day. We are going to have a tailgate party in advance of Joel Penton speaking. He will speak at 9.30 and he will speak at 11. Two services at Northwest Chapel. Why are we having a tailgate party? Here's why. This is the faith element tonight. The reason why we're having a tailgate party is not to celebrate Buckeye football. It is to get us aware that, much like a tailgate party, when you go to church, when you prepare yourself for worship, you need to be doing just that, preparing yourself for worship. For instance, you don't just show up on Sunday morning, having never opened your Bible during the week, having never prayed, having never thought about God, and just show up and in an hour think magically the spiritual side of your life is going to be ordered and you're going to just set the world on fire for God. No, it does not work that way. If you think about the parable of the sower, where Jesus talked about someone sowing seed as they walk along a path, and the seed never changed, right? It wasn't like there were four different kinds of seed. It was the same seed. Like Woody Hayes said, when you pass, three things can happen and two of them are bad. Incompletion, interception. Well, Jesus said, when you sow seed, four things can happen and three of them are bad. Because the first seed was never took root. The seed, meaning the word of God, never took root. Devil took it away from the person. Second seed took root for a while and then, you know, cares of the world came along and person didn't stay in the faith third time third kind of seed well the third the seed and then the third soil rather because the seed was always the same the message was always the same third soil adversity trials trouble came along ah eh, 
Faith didn't sustain itself, didn't stay close to God. But the fourth seed, the fourth soil, rather, good soil, fertile soil, soil that received the seed and the seed sprouted and performed a horror or yielded a harvest uh, many times greater than the amount of seed. That is what you need to do with your heart and your preparedness for worship every week. You need to prepare figuratively your the soil of your mind, the soil of your heart. You need to be cont- contemplative. That's a big word. Spiels would razz me about. You need to like pause during the day, in the morning, hopefully. That's where Spiels and I do it. And prepare your heart. Take some time for God. Think about it. When I go to church Sunday, what am, what am I trying to do? What's going on in my life? What am I trying to accomplish? What am I trying to purpose in my life? How am I trying to grow closer to God? Prepare your heart for worship. So when you go to a tailgate party, you don't just show up at a tailgate. You don't just show up, you're throwing a tailgate party. No, of course not. You got to buy the food. You got to prepare the food. You got to pack the food. You got to take your, sometimes people take satellite TVs. They take their dish and all that stuff. So you you pack all that stuff in your car and it fits in there just so. And there have people who've been tailgating for decades, decades at Ohio State. And they got tailgating down to a science, my friend. Do they expend that much effort into preparing their hearts for worship? I hope so. We'd have an awesome world if that were the case. So you need to prepare your heart for worship every week, every time you show up. Don't be sitting there in church checking your fantasy football lineup, checking scores. "Ah, How did the Cal Oregon game come out? Come on, man. That's rocky soil. That is rocky soil. How do you expect the seed, the word of God, to take root if you're checking your fantasy football lineup? You're thinking about, oh, Bengals and Cardinals today. What am I going to have for lunch? No, you got to prepare your heart for worship. That's why we're doing a tailgate party, to point out, to connect something in people's lives. Hey, we do tailgating. You know what? We're invested in Buckeye football. We need to be invested in knowing the word of God and serving God. And so the tailgate party with Joel Penton coming is just a way to like remind people, hey, be purposeful in your worship. Invest in preparing the soil of your heart to receive the Word of God every Sunday. So I hope you do that tomorrow. Wherever you worship, I'll be doing it at Northwest Chapel. Get yourself into a Bible-believing church and have a great weekend. Spiel's back Monday with me. He'll reflect on the game in Cincinnati tomorrow and on Michigan State going down to the Buckeyes tonight in Ohio Stadium, 34 to 10. Everybody have a great night, and we'll talk to you again soon.